Speak the charm of make charm of make charm. There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten. When wizards will rule the world. This is the Arnamancy podcast featuring Reverend Eric. Join me on an exploration of the practice, philosophy, and history of the occult, esotericism, and the paranormal. Our guest in this episode is Captain Trey Henry. And we recorded this episode on a boat. Uh, I'm also joined by guest co-host Matt Anthony, whom you may remember as one of my co-hosts from My Alchemical Bromance. This episode marks two important milestones. Number one, it's my first in-person interview in a year. Number two, it is the end of season two. This is the final episode of season two. I'm going to be taking the summer off, and season three will begin in September. However, over the summer, there might be some bonus episodes, so stay tuned to the uh, podcast feed. And there also will be some bonus Patreon episodes, which will only be available to Patreon supporters. If you want to be a Patreon supporter, you can sign up to support the podcast on Patreon for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash arnamancy. And now on with the show. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with uh, Captain Trey Henry, who is a software developer and magician and geomancer and programmer. I already said that part. Uh, and uh, a man on a boat uh, with me and my co-host, Ben Anthony. Hi, everyone. Guest co-host. Yes. Yes. Welcome back to the podcast, Matt. I didn't, have you ever been on this one? No, I haven't been on this one. Oh, welcome to the Arnomancy podcast. Oh. It's a lot like... My Alchemical Bromance, only the intro music is different. <laughs> um, anyhow, this is a special episode. Uh, we're, we are not only on a boat, but we're recording in person. We're all vaccinated and um, uh, responsibly unmasked and drinking beer on a boat. It's friggin' awesome. It's real cool. Yeah. So welcome to America, first of all. Ah, thank you. And uh, welcome to your boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've been back a couple of weeks, so it's, yeah, yeah. it's good to be back. Uh, so this is sort of like, um, th- so you were just on the podcast a few episodes ago, and uh, we started a conversation that kind of got responded to a little bit by uh, Nicholas Chapel and his appearance, yeah. but I've basically just been talking computer nerd stuff with some computer nerd occultists. So Which is fantastic. It is fantastic, yeah. and it's amazing all of the overlaps. You know, I guess I, uh, I think I mentioned this either in, yeah, I mentioned this when, when we talked before about how, like... Uh, Scott Cosnell is kind of the person who really started me thinking along these lines in ways that cool. helped crack things open. But, but then also, um, you know, the you know I started looking deeper and deeper into like cryptography and magic and how those things yeah. overlap. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the overlap there is really interesting. I it think. is, yeah. um, and honestly, I don't really know how to explore it to its fullest. You know, I mean, I'm doing what I can, but we need like we need like an occultist mathematician who's interested in the history of math and history of occult to like look at the stuff and figure out what interesting things are going on and yeah because you know yeah well i mean i, I listened to the episode with uh, nicholas chapel and yeah uh, yeah that was super interesting and i i definitely bookmarked some things coming out of that conversation where i was like mm-hmm. that's really yeah that's an interesting we spend a lot of time i think as magicians kind of trying to come up with metaphors in mm-hmm. the 
other things that we're that we do outside of magic, you know, so that we yeah. can kind of build these like ways of understanding what the crazy stuff is that's in the in the middle part of what we do, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I thought the uh, the hacking hacking as magic conversation was really interesting. I thought it was too, and you know, it it, it is interesting because you know one of the things that we do with uh, magic in general is we try to like understand what we're doing. Uh, I think I'm just saying the same thing you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, what, you, what, what the captain said is totally correct. <laughs> I agree 100. percent So, um, so uh, you have a you have a list of topics that we were going to talk about today. I honestly did not write an intro. I usually like write an intro and go into like, and today we're going to be discussing blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But instead, I'm going to let you say this. Today, what are we going to be discussing, Captain? <laughs> well, I, I did have some some sort of high-level things, one of which was a follow-on to, I I think, maybe dovetails with your conversation um, with um, with uh, Nicholas Chapel, which was one of the things that I'd been thinking about, because I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't classify myself as a hacker. I would classify myself more as a tinker. Um, that is I, a hacker. Yeah, yeah, of sorts. You know, I think it's slightly different because I, I think I'm less. Um, I operate more at the uh, at the the uh, you know human computer interaction and user mm -hmm. experience and kind of like where where users and machines kind of meet. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 maybe not spending as much time like you know figuring out like if there's a particular way to exploit a uh, um, you, you know a, a, <laughs> right. a, a you know get get, get a uh, uh, you know bootloader onto somebody's you know machine or uh, you know things like that. Yeah. So, um, but one of the things that I was thinking about, and we talked about this a little bit last time as well um, when we were talking about GeoRatio, mm -hmm. uh, and and the the, the the reason that GeoRatio exists is because I wanted a way to be able to fiddle with a geomantic chart to see what uh, to see how the chart would change based on changing lines in the mothers, mm -hmm. uh, so that you could create a magical act to change that fate pattern or change that outcome. Uh, and in yeah. in yeah, so this was the like you know you 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 do your divination process, you end up with this chart, mm -hmm. uh, and then you know and that's sort of the answer to your question. But then you know if you change you know fire from inactive to active in the first mother, which is a representation of the querent, like what does it what does it mean for you to activate fire uh, in the context of this question to then create a sort of magical act. Um, that will, you know, that then potentially changes the outcome of the chart, or and does it change. So it of cascades the, chart. the entire chart, right? Happens. Exactly. Yeah. And you could see that cascade as you mm -hmm. sort of play with the play with the chart. So to bring this back around, one of the things that I was thinking about is uh, in in um, programming. Hopefully, this doesn't go too nerdy. If it does, you might have to edit. This it. is why we've got Matt here. If we get too nerdy, he's going to... Uh, he's going to ring an alarm. Yeah. <laughs> yellow card. Yellow card. <laughs> yeah, throw, throw a card on the play. Penalty box. Penalty. <laughs> I'm okay. sorry. Penalty birth. All right. I'm going to try to do this. Yeah. I'm going to keep it high level. So, uh, um, programmers use things. Programmers make it possible for other programmers to use their stuff through a special thing that's called an application programming interface or an API. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm putting the definition of API up front here is because I'm probably going to use API several times uh, in this description. <laughs> uh, so now you know what an API is. It's basically a way that you that you can talk to something, um, some software that exists. And generally, the way that APIs work is they give you the ability to do many of the things that you 
could imagine doing within the application, uh, but in a programmery way. So I'll give a specific example. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's if good. you have like a um, let's say a you know a commerce website, an e-commerce website, and you're selling tarot decks online or something. Yeah. Like tarotdecks.com. Uh, tarotdecks.com. Exactly. Or whatever. That probably already exists. Do not go to that URL. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows there. what's there? <laughs> uh, anyway, so you you yeah you have this e-commerce site. Um, and there, there may be an API for this thing, which, uh, which you could say, give me a list of all of the things, all of the tarot decks that are for sale. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a particular kind of uh, sort of request to that API that you make. It's a and git request. It's a git request, exactly. Yes. Um, and then that request, then the API would respond with, here's a list of things. Um, and then each thing probably has some unique identifier, like an ID or something like that. You may or may not see that as the user, but it's a way of uniquely identifying each particular thing. Mm -hmm. And then you can make another request and say, give me the details of this particular thing. Like maybe all the stuff that's in that list is just like the name of the tarot deck and the price and maybe like a little thumbnail screenshot. Mm -hmm. But you could say, give me all of the details of this particular deck with this ID. And now you get a description, and you get maybe three or four more images, um, and you get some more detail about it. Yeah, you get like size and shipping weight, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, publisher, publication year, like all the sort of the, the details. Yeah, the details. So, um, so, and there, there's there there might be a view of this information that you get if you're an authenticated user versus a non-authenticated user. Actually, I think authentication in Magic is a whole other overlap thing. But we'll just put that on the shelf for now. Oh, man, I have some <laughs> thoughts about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Becoming authenticated is like a okay, whole separate yeah, conversation. Yeah, that's totally. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so then you can imagine um, that if you're, if you're the person who runs this store, you want to add a new item. Or you want to update an item that exists. You want to change the price of one of the tarot decks that's out there. So you then make another request. And it's a different kind of request. It's either a put or a post. doesn't really matter what the details are here. But basically, you say, this. When if I make a git request and say, give me all of the details of this particular item, the shape of the data that comes back is the same shape of data that I'm then going to give back to the API to say, update this thing. Mm -hmm. So I might say, like, give me all the details of this deck. And then now I change the title. And then I put all of that same information plus this change title back into the API. And then now the thing has been updated. To okay. represent this, right? All right, makes sense. And so Does that makes sense, Matt. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So the metaphor that I'm going to make here. Probably already made this stuff, <laughs> yeah. though. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. It's, no, it's hard to. <laughs> yeah. Sorry if if that uh, isn't. You know, email <laughs> email after the episode. Any questions that you have, <laughs> send them to Eric. I'm sure he'll answer them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, so the so the metaphor here is that that get operation to say like give me the information is basically divination. Mm -hmm. um, so if you imagine that creation is sort of this black box running application, we don't know who wrote it. We don't really know what's happening inside of it. The developers are no longer around, or maybe they are around. They've left some clues about the documentation isn't that great either. Um, or, or the documentation is hard to find, let's say. Well, they don't um, want to answer all the bug requests. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Whether or not there's bugs is actually another interesting question. So um, There so, are literally bugs. <laughs> there are literally bugs. Uh, so, you know, the uh, so the idea that you make a get request and then you get this, like that is like divination. Like if you're talking about geomancy, you know, you've got this question in mind. The question is basically a get request to creation. And then the result is this chart, which represents kind of, you can think of it as like, that is the output, right? Like that is the thing that came back of mm -hmm. like, this is what okay. it is. Um, now, when you fiddle with that chart, now you can use that chart in your subsequent put operation 
to mm-hmm. to change it to okay. change that. If you think of it as like a as like this is a representation of a fate pattern, you're changing that fate pattern and then putting it back and saying um, this is now this fate. I like that metaphor, but I think that there is a place where it kind of falls apart. Yeah, hit me. Um, a lot of times when we do. Well, I don't know. I, okay, let's let's talk about this a little bit. So, like, you do a get request, you do a divination. Let's say you want to, um, I don't know, summon a goetic demon to teach you how to cook pasta or something like that. So <laughs> probably probably easier ways to find out how to cook pasta. <laughs> <laughs> You've tried every other method. Everything has failed, and you're like, I just don't understand. Do you boil the water first? Like, where does where do things go? So, anyhow, you do the divination, and you're like, is this a good idea? And the divination method you use might be geomancy, but it might be something like tarot or something of that nature. Right. But the tools that you use with the divination may not reflect what you're doing with the ritual afterwards. Or, you know, so like if I use tarot for this divination, mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily going to use tarot later in the in the goetic summoning ritual. Right. But this is exactly what I think, this is what interests me. Okay. Um, and this is why, this is why I think this is, worth spending some time on because I think all of the things that we are currently thinking about in terms of read-only operations, mm-hmm. like all of these divination things, I I think the secret is that they're not just read-only. Oh. And I think that that you, if using that metaphor, I think you then can, you can start to imagine um, what you could do. So going back to, going back to my specific example of like, okay, let's, you know, if, Changing the fire line in this mother, mm-hmm. in the first mother for this particular chart, um, changes this outcome. Um, you know, one thing you could do with that is you could say, um, you know, what what can I change? Because if it's the first mother, that's the representation of self. That'd be the mm-hmm. first house in the in the wheel chart. So, you know, you could say, what can I, what can I change about you know what I'm doing? This is just very mundane. Like, you know, can I bring a more sort of passionate angle to you know to uh, whatever it is that I was asking the question about. Can I, um, you know, be more, um, um, can I, can I be more, um, uh, 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 you know, sort of take it up a level and be just kind of like, what is sort of like the origins of this thing and kind of like dive into that to create more of a, like a fire aspect to that. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could then go into, you know, if you were going to do something that was a more formalized, you know, ritual, maybe you spend more, you know, more time in the Southern Gate. Um, like working with the element of fire to make fire more active in this particular context mm-hmm. to then so you, I think it can inform a magical act and then you know all the way down to you know let's in the case of tarot if you're using tarot you do a reading um, you know what could you do in a magical context with those cards that came up in that reading to then create a magical act um, oh yeah actually and you know what I've seen uh, I've seen people doing practices like that where they will do a reading and then like swap out a card in the reading to the result that they actually want and then work with that in some sort of like meditative or ritual thing. Yeah, right? yeah. And there's there's ways to like, you know, if it, if it's a, you know, if it, if it's a minor arcana card, you know, there you might, you know, switch um element, mm-hmm. um, you know, so change the suit or you might, you know, move it through the ranks and maybe mm-hmm. even move, you know, like if you're going from a 3 to a 5 or something, you know, what what is a, you know, is there is there a sympathetic magical act that you can do that moves through the three, moves through the four, and turns it into the five, right? So you can... Yeah, yeah actually, this is something that uh, that uh, Susan Chang, Susie Chang has talked about. Like, she does this, if she draws a card for the day, and she's like, oh, every time I get this card, I fall down the stairs, she might uh, fake falling down the stairs, or do something to, you yeah. know, to satisfy the 
for the conditions. The car yeah, yeah. on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Conditions have been like, satisfied. Yeah, I fell down the stairs. I'm yeah. cool. Everything's good now. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and you can, you, I think you could take that, you know, and make that as formal or as informal, mm -hmm. um, you know, as, as makes sense for the thing that you're doing. You know, if it is, if, if you're asking a, uh, a question that is, uh, very, uh, like in the realm of the metaphysical, you know, uh -huh. it's like a very magic, you know, sort of related question and it needs something with a, maybe a bit more, um, ceremony or oomph behind it, right, you know, right. then, then you can, I think you can, you can take it to that level. Or like I said, you could just say like, you know, what can I change about, you know, uh, myself in this context or what, or maybe I could use a particular tarot card to just say like, you know what, instead of like taking this particular tack with, you know, this fate pattern, I'm going to take this other tack with this fate pattern. Mm -hmm. Just use a tacking as a nautical thing. That's <laughs> sailboats. <laughs> Captain speak. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. I'm sort of still thinking about this concept of like divination is not being read only. Like that is a weird one. Have you experimented with this much? I have. And has it worked? It, it, uh, it's I mean, always obviously tricky. you've activated water. <laughs> We're very wa water activated right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, it's always, um, I, I'm always, I, I never really talk that much about my specific practice and like specific oh, yeah. things that have and happened. I'm not going to ask you to violate your, you know, yeah, it's just weird, right? Like yeah. you don't want to say like, yeah, I did this thing and it was super cool. You wouldn't believe it, man. I like made this, you know, Ferrari up here. Um, but uh, but I, I did I did one thing recently exactly with this with Gioratio, um, uh, and and it it was surprisingly, in my opinion, effective. Cool. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I know that you don't want to. Uh, share specifics, but maybe that would be an interesting sort of ritual to learn about. Like, how did you do it? In, th in this particular case, it was super low-key. It was actually about a conversation, a difficult conversation with somebody that needed to be had. Uh -huh. uh, and I'd done some divination around it, and uh, and then I fiddled with the chart. Um, and then based on, based on being able to change... There was actually a couple of different changes that I could make to the mothers that came out mm -hmm. with interesting different outcomes. And then so I picked one. This is another kind of cool thing about this model is that you can kind of say like, oh, yeah. well, this ends up with Fortuna Minor. Okay, that's pretty good. But also it's kind of temporary. Maybe it's not, you know, maybe in that in this particular context that actually makes sense, you mm -hmm. know, but or maybe that's not exactly what I'm looking for. This one is Rubeus. Like, ooh, I don't know. Do I really want Rubeus as the outcome of this particular <laughs> right? And so you could kind of like you can fiddle with it and then uh -huh. uh, when you get to something that you like, then you can then you can sort of say like what you know, what is the and, and in this case it was really just a changing my tack going into that conversation. Okay. Um, and it and it made all of the difference, I think. That's fascinating. And that's a really mundane example. You know, mm -hmm. I think, like I said, I think you can go um, very deeply ritual with it. I have not gone as far down this rabbit hole as I plan on doing um, yet, because a lot of this stuff, too, is just kind of sort of fresh. It's kind of things that I've been thinking about, like Gioratio, I created specifically for this purpose, but I, mm -hmm. I feel like I really haven't used it as much for this purpose as I, as I um, would like to, to speak, like, really authoritatively about it, but... Anyway, this is just kind of the, this is the thing that's been on my mind. So I, okay, I'm going to, I have another question. This is a total, this is a little bit of a non sequitur. Sure. Do you ever do ritual on the boat? Um, I feel like that kind of falls a little bit into the category. I have, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. There's actually this, this stone that's up here um, is, uh, it's an anhydride quartz, um, which means that it's got water um, trapped inside of it. Oh, wow. There's a little bit, a little tiny bit of water in it. 
Um, yeah, and it's kind of a central central uh, focal point. Well, maybe I'll take a picture of it. And you can see that it's actually kind of at the center point of the... Of yeah, yeah, it is. It's right under the center handle. I, I have no idea. I cannot talk about that. No, that is definitely the uh, the nautical term for that. The, that center, is handle. the center handle. Okay, cool. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like a foot aft of the mast. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. I mean, yeah. Or wait, a this nautical one. foot. Yeah. Yeah, this, this boat is a little bit special in that the, the mast is actually... A lot of times the mast is actually stepped onto um, the deck up there. So it's, it's a um, stepped means like where it's attached, basically. Oh, really? Yeah. And so usually, usually they're attached um, up on the top of the deck. How is that secure? Yeah, it doesn't seem like um, So there's all the standing rigging, which is what holds the mast up. Okay. And it's it's attached to the sides of the boat and it has these... Um, these chain plates that are very securely attached, you know, that are, you know, kind of, kind of keep that all upright. This particular boat, um, the so, uh, under the water of the boat, there's this thing called the keel, and the keel is basically what kind of keeps the boat yeah, upright when you you're go, in the wind. You get keel, that's where you keel haul people when they don't like, <laughs> yeah, do the dishes it, or something. It's yeah, it's not well anyway. <laughs> yes, uh, but so this this mast actually goes all the way down, and it's called keel stepped. So the mast actually goes all the way down and bolts directly onto the keel. So there's kind of an uh -huh. axis going right through the middle of this boat. Do you uh, like that's it? unusual. That not uh -huh. a lot of boats have this, um, but. It's very, very structurally sound. So mm -hmm. um, this boat, Plain Jane, sits very um, solidly in the water, and she sails beautifully. Not super fast. Uh, for those who are interested in this kind of stuff, it's a Cal 39. Um, it's not a super fast boat, but it is a just a lovely sailing boat, and she's super stable in the water, um, and that's and that's part of the reason why. However, the lore is that if you roll your boat, which is you know if if you actually get rolled in in, in the ocean, yeah, where, I've you know, heard that you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do that. That's definitely a thing not to do. <laughs> okay. Um, if your if your mast is um, uh, is, is uh, stepped onto the deck, then it's uh, it will just kind of snap off up there, which is definitely bad, uh -huh. um, but not nearly as bad as in this case. If something were to happen, it would basically just structurally wreck the boat. It would just like kind of. Yeah. Okay. So, so you definitely don't definitely want to roll this kind of boat. Do not roll this boat. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. But it's also a lot down. harder. <laughs> it's also a lot harder to do. <laughs> ah, well, it's pretty fun to be on a boat. Okay, so. Uh, all right, so what was the next topic that you had on your list? I can see everything is color-coded. I've never met a podcast guest this um, organized before. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just very high-level stuff. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the other things, um, which we kind of had a, a little bit of a um, bookmark for from last time, was talking about generally randomness. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember we talked about that a little bit, and I think that we were trying to figure out if randomness actually exists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it does. Yeah. So the, Because at the quantum level, you know, when, when you're looking at like particle physics stuff. Yeah. Does random exist is basically, I think, the same kind of question as asking, is there fate or free will? It is. It's absolutely, it has to be the um, same. Yeah. And so the interesting thing about that is that, so I, get, I told the story uh, the last time that we talked about the entropy generator that was in this hardware device that we did mm -hmm. uh, for this company, Nebula. Um, and there's break breakdown of some atomic material in there, and that's what generates the entropy. But if you open it up at some later point in time, you could actually know what entropy was generated at an earlier point in time. Um, and <laughs> That's awful. Yeah. And I'm, that, I'm laughing again. I'm right. sorry. So, but, but, so then, you know, like that, that material, which, you know, comes, came from some 
place me for that. I'm, physics is not my thing, right? Mm -hmm. But like that that material and the breakdown of of that material, um, you know, you could trace that back if you've observed it. You can trace that back, and then all material eventually, you know, gets traced back to whatever you know, sort of the origin point of the universe is. Um, and so there's like how how could there possibly be something that could be considered random? Or randomness. Yeah, but I think that we've determined. I think that at small enough scales, there are things that are that uh, that are random. You know, like the location of particles um, at a small enough scale is a probability instead of a certainty, right? right. So, but is that because we don't? Yeah, I, 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 is that because we don't have enough of of an understanding of, of you know how <laughs> observation works? Yeah, <laughs> because we're still having to go through you know these meat perception. I'm not uh, sure. Things. Yeah, I feel like this is a question that science doesn't know how to answer. Yeah. Because if it did, we would know if there was free will or not. Yeah. But it's funny because a lot of magical systems, especially the older ones, have this sort of thing built into them about escaping fate and yeah. gaining like true free will. Yeah. Uh, you know, for instance, both of us are doing a Deccan walk right now. Yeah. And like the core of a Deccan walk is you go through the year and every Deccan you like address the god of that Deccan and you're like, release me from fate. And once all of them agree to release you from fate, then you're on your own. You have free will. You are no longer bound by, you know, yeah. predestination. Um, and I feel like you have sort of a similar thing in um, in Kabbalah, where you, you know, when you become one of the tzadukim, the you know the thirty six holy people or whatever. I mean, there aren't that many, and you never get to know who they are. Um, they have uh, they have released themselves from fate mm -hmm. and are able to act with true free will yeah but until I, then do we have free will at all yeah or is that even possible like i think i think it is really interesting um you know i i think for me from a practical level because i think we ask like magicians often spend a lot of time you know kind of in, in this liminal space between you know fate mm -hmm. and free will um and from a practical perspective i don't think it really even matters <laughs> yeah <laughs> because because at the end of the day there's like i i really like if somebody God, it might have even been um, T. Susan Chang. I can't remember. Somebody, somebody uh, was describing recently was describing um, you know fate as as this thing that you sort of rise to meet. You mm -hmm. know, it's it's it is um, you know it, it is there's there's a pattern that exists and it's kind of you're operating within that pattern, but mm -hmm. you get to choose you know sort of how the details of that pattern kind of end up. Um, 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 happening, and so you know, and, and I think you know, when talking about um, magic, magical acts as a you know, starting with divination and then using the mechanism of divination to create a magical act, in a way, you're kind of you are interacting with that fate pattern to sort of um, tease out the details of it or to interact with it to rise to meet it you know mm -hmm. um to 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 dance with it instead of to have it you know like leading the way and you getting your you know toes stepped all over and looking like a fool on the dance floor yeah yeah hmm you know it's making me think of hey there's a boat going by there is <laughs> uh, that is so weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah by the way you're on a boat yeah we're on a boat <laughs> um it makes me think of something uh, uh, Alan Drake was talking about with me once, where he's a he's an astrologer that I've had on the podcast before. I'm not sure that the sound quality on that episode is really good, but uh, he's a fascinating and intelligent guest, so I would encourage you to go back and listen to that episode if you haven't yet. Um, anyhow, he was ta he's talked to me about this idea of uh, 
God, what are the two? I think the two terms he uses are something like fate and destiny, mm-hmm. or something of that nature. Yeah, where like sounds good. You do have some sense of determination. There, there might be like something to the grand shape of your life that will that will always come true no matter what, mm. and there might be. Uh, sort of like limits to how much you can change about your life. You know, there might be things that you just never, there might be boundaries that you never get to step outside of. Mm-hmm. But that inside that you have a certain amount of wiggle room, yeah. a certain amount of wobble as you yeah. careen towards your towards your destiny. destiny of yeah, a, I like that model. That somebody else also described it as kind of a, a, a of the metaphor of a river. So you're kind yeah. of like in a boat on a river. And maybe, you know, maybe... You will always fall off the waterfall. There's no question about it. Yeah, exactly. You're always going to get to the waterfall. The world is flat, and you're going to sail right off the end of it eventually. Yeah, but But uh, you can always stop and have a picnic somewhere if you want to, and nobody can tell you where. Yeah, and, you know, your boat might be kind of spinning around and hitting every single rock and washing ashore all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. or, you know, you might have an oar in the water uh, or a rudder, and you can kind of guide the boat as it goes, and you can see a rock coming, and you can kind of guide the boat around the rock, so maybe you don't have to hit every single rock in the river. You know, as you as you as you barrel down it, Matt. I have a question for you, as co-host. Do you think it is purely coincidence that this swerved right back towards a boat metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Thanks, Captain. I've, I've, got, I've got endless nautical <laughs> nautical metaphors. We could go to town for this like days. I was I was uh, I was kind of disappointed that I didn't get to like walk up to the boat and meet you here because I really wanted to yell permission to come aboard. <laughs> yeah, you could have done it anyway. I could have, but I didn't. It seemed tacky by the yeah. time. And then I would have said, "No, you nerd." <laughs> um, so, I th- I, but I do think that's an interesting uh, way to look at it, and you know. Initially, we want to rail against the concept of uh, not having free will. Like, we feel like we have free will, and we feel like all of this stuff, but we also know that, like, there are certain things that you will never be able to break out of. There are certain patterns that you will always have no matter what. You know, I mean, there are things that... There are things about us that... Like, for instance, we all do occult stuff. Is there any way that you could not do that now? No. If I could have not done it, I would probably not be doing it oh, because honestly, it's God, a big pain it, in the ass. It's a huge pain <laughs> in the ass. It makes the world more confusing. Everybody thinks you're weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so there's definitely like shapes in your life, yeah. you know, structures that you don't get to avoid, and yeah. and you know, a destiny that awaits you no matter what. And yeah, that only seems to really make sense when you look at it in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think you know there's there's a lot of um, you know I think you know uh, if if you're squarely in the sort of materialist reductionist camp, um, you know that that's often used as a way to say uh, you know you 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 we're we're generally. Uh, storytellers, you know, human brains are really good at sort of creating narratives and creating stories. And you can only really create that narrative or create that story when you look back at everything that has happened up until this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, therefore, you know, like anything that's like future projection or divination or anything like that is all crap because none of that can actually, you know, um, doesn't actually exist. And it only makes sense when you're at a certain point in time and looking backwards. I don't personally believe that, but I think that there's there that, that idea of like the narrative of your life sort of, mm-hmm. um, Stitching together, you know, kind of as you go, I think is a is also a useful useful way of thinking about that. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I kind of got lost in thought there for a second, but I was thinking about um, another thing that I read. I, I I use this quote every time free will comes up, but I was reading this book by Rabbi Ira Stone. Um, I think it's called a, a responsible life or maybe a simple life. I don't know. Anyhow, 
in the introduction, he says there's something that one of his teachers taught him, which is that in the end, it doesn't matter whether or not free will exists. We have to act like it does. You know, like we still have to take responsibility for our lives and our actions, and we still have to act like we can make good choices and we want to make good choices, that sort of stuff. Even if yeah. even if choice isn't a real thing, even if our choices are all predetermined, even if every smashing together of subatomic particles is predetermined by some universal equation that was set in motion that, you know, by the divine watchmaker, the instant the universe sprang into being. Like, even if that's all true, we can't act that way. We have right. to pretend that, uh, we have to pretend that we have the uh, faculty to... Yeah. And I think when you, when you do, uh, when you, when you do pretend, mm-hmm. um, or, or maybe just or take responsibility. Act, take responsibility. Yeah. yeah, that's a better yeah. way of saying. Like when you do take responsibility for that, it's an interesting thing that happens because it really does feel like you are interacting with something that has its own sort of agenda and its own sort of intelligence and its own sort of because there's a at the interaction point of you interacting with your fate. There's kind of like this weird sense of humor and irony mm-hmm. and like like of course that came out this way. Mm-hmm. Like you know you know once it once it happens you're like. Of course, that's the way that it had to happen. But you would never, you know, generally speaking, you would necessarily predict that that's the that's the outcome. It makes yeah. it it makes magic seem like a really strange thing, right? Like we do, uh, you know, like thaumaturgy, magic to affect the world is yeah. something that we like. We go forth and we do this because we want to make sure a certain outcome happens. But if the fact that we are going to do the magic is predestined anyhow, right. then the whole result was predestined, or yeah. we didn't change a damn thing. We just made everything. We made the universe run the way it was supposed to go. Yeah. Well, and I often, I often feel like, and I know, I know other people have, that, uh, other practicing magicians would have observed this as well. That you know, the 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 um, impact of magic that you are going to perform starts basically the minute that you've started putting together that this is something you're going to do. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I, all of the pieces start kind of stitching together, mm-hmm. and then and then you know, it's almost like when the when when you you know, whatever your practice is, when you get into the circle, when you, you know, when you um, open the gates, whatever it is, it's almost like you're doing something that has already happened, or you're, oh. you're just kind of like... I've had yeah, that feeling, too. Yeah, yeah, I've had that feeling, like, where you, you know, I've had feelings where I've been, like, planning for the ritual, and then I've had dreams that have helped me do the ritual. Yeah, yeah, which sure were only there because I was going to do the ritual and only made sense because the ritual happened, but it was right. sort of like... Yeah, and of course time is like totally another, you know, whole rabbit hole conversation God. that, you know, like when you, when you start to interact with this stuff, then that, it also becomes not very linear. Um, I, I, I know the episode now. On a boat with Captain Trey Henry. Is time bullshit? <laughs> I mean, because if time isn't real... Because that means that fate is sort of the end result. It's the shape of a four-dimensional mass. Yeah. Right? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing inside this shape to change the shape of the... Of the shape? I... Yeah. It, again, it is almost... There's, like, a certain theoretical level that you can... You know, I think it's interesting to spend time trying... Like, to mm-hmm. spend time thinking about it and to uh, meditate on it and to, like, interact with it more. But at the end of the day... It doesn't really seem to matter that much, is my is my uh, my observation. Yeah, but we still do have to think about it. I yeah. guess. Just you have to pretend. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to pretend. <laughs> you have to pretend. <laughs> that's the other. That's the other potential subtitle for the episode. <laughs> pretending we're on a boat. <laughs> I mean, we are pretending we're on a boat because none of this is real anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know. I mean, I thought you did a great job talking about this mast thing and all that kind of stuff. Like, that sounded like we were really on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> it's all story. It's all narrative. Yeah, it is. It is funny to... You know, I was just sort of thinking as, was, as we were walking up here how we all have the same uh, hair. <laughs> bald bald yeah. with beards. Bald with beards. Yeah. <laughs> it's the uh, wizard hair, I guess. Official yeah. wizard hair of the 21st century. Yeah. Well, after I talked to you last time, I've been I've been growing out the uh, facial hair. I was jealous of Oh, the, see, that's the funny. I trimmed mine hair. back a lot. I trimmed oh. mine. <laughs> so I maybe, we're, like... maybe we're close to the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing that happened since we last talked also was because I was not going to be shamed by you in calling my software vaporware. Oh, God yeah. Forbid. Yeah, that's uh, right. That I shipped Urania. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's beautiful. Thank you. Um, how do you feel about it? Have you been getting any feedback from people? Yeah, I got, I've gotten a ton of feedback, actually. And um, uh, Wait, hold on. Tell everybody what Urania is, just oh, in case yeah. they foolishly did not listen to the first episode <laughs> with you in it. <laughs> uh, so Urania is, is some other software um, that I've written, uh, which is astrology software. Uh, and much in the same way that GeoRatio allows you to um, fluidly interact with a geomantic chart, uh, Urania allows you to fluidly interact with uh, an astrological chart. And what that means is that you can fluidly move backwards and forwards in time and see the planets move in the chart as they move in the skies. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is useful for things like election finding because it makes it a little bit easier than some other software out there to uh, sort of say like, you know, okay, given the next new moon, um, you know, what time around there you know, will, uh, you know, Mars not be afflicted and when will, the, you know, like this, you know, when will mm -hmm. the moon be in this particular lunar mansion and you can kind of move back and forth and sort of find the things you're looking for. Um, it's, it's, um, it's, it's not feature complete, but the vast majority of the stuff that you want is in there. Uh, and it, and it does have the one last feature that I put in, which we didn't talk about um, last time, cause I wasn't sure whether or not I was actually going to try and put it in, um, is the, um, the lunar mansions. Oh yeah. So yeah. yeah. So you can now turn the lunar mansions on. Um, and there was an interesting. There was some interesting research that went behind that uh, because I um, I spent some time uh, with the Picatrix. I, I created a spreadsheet um, and I went through the Picatrix for all of the definitions of you know that this mansion starts here and it ends here, starts here and ends here. And I noticed that it's kind of wobbly. Did I send you this spreadsheet, by the way? I think uh, I might you have. told me about it, but you, I don't think. Yeah, I, I can share spreadsheet. with you if you're interested. But it, but basically. It's it's a little bit off mm -hmm. in an odd way, <laughs> and uh, uh, and and so I I recalculated. Um, I just did you know the calculation is relatively straightforward. You basically mm -hmm. just take the um, the ecliptic and divide it up into twenty eight, and then you know those are the those are the lunar mansions. Um, uh, so that's what I went with um, in arena. But it is interesting mm -hmm. that there's like this little bit of wobbling. I don't know why. Maybe it was because of the interpretation or the math that they have. Well, like, I think there's a few things. So a lot of the lunar mansions are sort of measured down to the minute, right? Yeah, down to the arc minute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we couldn't measure things that precisely in the ninth century. We couldn't. Yeah. We can look at the sky, and I don't think we could see arc minutes. I'm not sure we were able to measure things that precisely until like the fifteenth or sixteenth century. But the math century. for the lunar mansions doesn't actually require observation of the sky because you have a yeah. three hundred and sixty degree circle which you're dividing in by twenty eight. That's true. That's true. Um, which is a fixed number. It's it's just weird. Like I'm wondering actually if it was like the there was the the, um, the, the like maybe in an, in a um, prior. Uh, manuscript that mm -hmm. like the the mansions were you know c completely detailed uh, correctly and then you know there was there's one mansion that is like way off it's off by like oh you're looking I, at the HL maybe I'm looking at the HL actually that's a good question I don't 
because there's a there's a typo in one of the Atrell Lunar Mansion things. Oh, is there? Okay, yeah. so maybe that's it then. <laughs> <laughs> that was one. There, there was one that was like way off. But even yeah. the rest of them. At least I think it's a typo. A I haven't asked him, but I I I corrected it in mine. I was like, no, okay, this yeah, can't be right. that can't be right. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, but, but the Lunar Mansions are in there as yeah. well. So go, but bringing it back, so Urania um, is uh, is is out there. It's free for anybody to go and download and use. It works on all major desktop operating systems. Um, including it is Linux. not vaporware. It is not vaporware. It is, a, it is a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, you can go check it out. Um, see, I, I, manip- I feel like I manipulated fate there. <laughs> I used the right word at the right time to <laughs> <laughs> to kick my ass to get the yeah. thing out the door. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm glad that you did the too because you know there's kind of a with any big project like that because I worked on it for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so far, and it's it's definitely not done. Uh, and you know, with a big project, there kind of comes a point where you're you just really kind of need to let it like be a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you you like because I could have just worked on it indefinitely and never shipped it. I've, so I'm glad that you you know you actually had like pushed <laughs> me to be like, okay, now this thing is out in the wild. And mm-hmm. I did get a lot of I have gotten a lot of feedback, particularly right when it launched. Um, there was a number of bugs with. Um, the, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah actually, the, I think I found one. Right yeah, now. yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you found one on Linux, which actually that was great because I don't think a lot of people are using it in Linux. So the fact that you found that was actually mm-hmm. really great. Um, but there was also on the Windows, the Windows version of the Swiss Ephemeris mm-hmm. wasn't statically linked, and there was some other. So anyway, uh, it, it, there was a couple of rounds of um, updates uh, shortly after the release that fixed a few things, including like errors weren't showing up correctly, and there was just a, mm-hmm. you know, no no software is bug free, as we mentioned last time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. It's yeah. out there. It's in the world. Well, I have a feature request. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> I would like an option uh, where to, to turn on colors in the lines, because using the thickness of the of the lines between the planets in, uh, to to see which aspect it is. Oh, to it's see the... harder for me than if like you know squares were red and trines were green. Ah, or yeah, something like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and a lot of a lot of astrology software does that. Like it, yeah. it will like the harder aspects, it'll color one way, and the mm-hmm. you know quote unquote like softer, more mild, mild aspects, like the trines and the sex, sextiles and stuff. Yeah, it'll, it'll color color, color, color differently. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That would I don't think that would be the thing that I tried to do was there was two things that I wanted to do. One was the line using the line thickness as mm-hmm. giving a. A, a decent visual indication, which is just at a glance to say, you know, how close to partile is this is this aspect? Okay. Um, so the thicker the line, the closer to being a perfect like partile aspect it is. Okay. Um, and then when you're looking at the transits, so you can you can sort of set, show the second set of bodies, mm-hmm. and when you're showing the second set of bodies, you it it does a um, a gradient between the two colors, right? So that it's easier because if you have two bodies that are kind of you know sort of lined up. Um, it's harder to tell which aspects are being drawn to which mm-hmm. um, inside the you know inside the the center of the wheel chart. So mm-hmm. that 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 colorization makes it a little bit easier to do. But it's also you know if you're colorblind or if you know it's it, not everything about Urania is accessible. So that's one of the things I need to work on. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one though. <laughs> it is a very tough yeah. one. Yeah, uh, but it's kind of in your wheelhouse, right? Because you do user experience stuff. So do you have a do you deal with accessibility a lot? Yeah, yeah, and I have um, in the past as well. And and yeah, it is. And I definitely there was shame in <laughs> shipping <laughs> with some of the lack of uh, uh, you know lack of accessibility and even some of the usability of it. You know, there were some things where I just kind of had to say like, 
you know, I could spend months on this or I could spend an hour on this and it'll mm -hmm. be good enough. You know, like yeah. I'm not super happy with the hamburger menu thing. I don't generally like those, like kind of hiding a bunch of settings underneath a different, you know, there's a few different things where I was like, eh, well, but I think overall, um, I think overall it is a useful tool for anybody who's doing astrological magic um, or finding elections, you know, it's not meant to be the one thing that you use. It's mm -hmm. meant to be yet another tool in your arsenal to to uh, um, find the stuff that you're looking for. Cool. Well, I will I will put a link to the in the show notes to it again, just like the cool. last episode. Because yeah. uh, thank you. It would be great if more people people used it and gave you feedback and. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the feedback is, is super useful. And I, I, I listened to it. I had somebody uh, uh, kind of email me out of the blue and they were confused about chart rotation because also Urania doesn't, you know, it just has yeah. Aries 1 kind of off on the left, very traditional. Um, whereas, you know, right. if you're used the, to using... The Ascendant moves around instead of... Correct, yeah. yeah. And, but if you're used to using, you know, things like astro.com, um, you know, you're used to the chart being rotated. And part of that is because um, the chart rotation would make you very dizzy very quickly if you're scrolling through time and the chart is like <laughs> rotating that would be completely unuseful right um there's ways to there's potentially ways to get around that um i think i'm actually going to add a feature that allows you to um, rotate the chart when it's in a stationary mode so that mm -hmm. you can kind of do between the two uh, but i had somebody email me saying with some confusion about the um you know what uh, why the chart looks a little bit different between Urania and Astro.com. Um, and I just put together a quick Loom video basically describing chart rotation and like mm -hmm. this is why it, it, it looks this way versus this way. Um, so, you know, if, if anybody out there is, you know, using the software, please send me feedback. I'm very responsive to people. I really enjoy knowing that, you know, I did this as, a, as an act of passion, a, a work of, you know, um, just something that I really wanted to do. I wanted to have it for myself, and I mm -hmm. love you know knowing that other people are using it, and it's completely free. So you know, there's no uh, there's no risk. You can just go download it, run it, other than the key logger that I install on your machine through. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a joke. That's not true. Or is it? <laughs> so how is malware like magic? <laughs> yeah. I think you covered that one already. Yeah. In the previous episode. <laughs> um, Okay, so so you must have more stuff on your list. We've only covered like three topics, and you've got at least four colors. I do have four colors. The other color that I have, the other the other topic that I have um, on the list was um, something that I'd been thinking about uh, after I think I think it was um, Camelia Elias mm -hmm. who um, was talking about has anybody ever started learning tarot and then said I don't have a talent for this like I can't do this or you know I'm not I'm not good at doing this uh, you know at some point down the road and it got me thinking about um, about ex the importance of experience and uh, and and you know knowledge and experience versus your intention uh, or your your like you're like I, I'm. Oh yeah. I think there's a lot. I'm gonna. Sorry, but I'm making this harder than it uh, than it needs to be. There's a lot. I think there's a lot of people in the sort of occult community and in the magical community who are maybe um, very well-intentioned people who are early on in their path mm -hmm. who um, will sometimes speak very authoritatively about topics for which they haven't maybe spent enough time with, or, you know, what did, what all did of a sudden... What say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, like, I, I try to not do this myself as well, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, I think there, there are some things that I have spent some time experimenting with, mm -hmm. and, 
you know, I try to I try to make it clear to anybody that I'm talking to that you know what my comfort level is with a particular thing. It's always a bit tricky, but you never really know, right? But right. I see people that are like, you know, they read a Wikipedia article and now they're writing a book, um, and and you know, and it's and it's a li- like I I applaud the enthusiasm, um, but also there is there is something to be said for you know having that. There are people within our community that are very like I think you know like Josephine McCarthy would be a really good mm-hmm. example right like somebody who has been at it since forever and has been through every possible thing that you're going to see she's probably already seen and dealt with it in some way right <laughs> yeah um, and that is somebody that is you know an expert within our community that you you know that that um, you know but then there's a lot of other people who I think sort of um, come across with a bit of a uh, like you know a, a because we are operating at this liminal space of you know, where reality is kind of, we're sort of bending reality all the time anyway. And there's kind of, you know, there's like a, where reality doesn't really exist. Or reality Reality is not real. (laughs) Exactly. Reality is not even real. You know, all those kind of things that it makes it, it makes it, I think a little bit, um, it makes it a little bit, that feedback cycle that you might have in other things where you're sort of learning as you go and you're getting better at things. And then you're kind of recognized as an expert at a particular point. Like if you're, Mm -hmm. you know, there is a point in time at which you are, able to do heart surgery because yeah, you actually, have taken the classes and you've programming computer yeah, programming is, is this what yeah. you're handing out earlier about authenticated users <laughs> yeah yeah yes, oh yeah exactly. this kind is, of, yeah 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 i think it's i think it's um yeah i don't want to say that you know your you your 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 excitement and your enthusiasm is important and absolutely critical to pushing you further along on your path but don't make assumptions about how far along on your path you are you know mm-hmm. i think that's kind of the the um i don't know what are your thoughts are your oh thoughts? i think that i think that i agree that there is a problem with that sort of thing happening um but yeah it's difficult to test somebody in the magical world in the occult world like you you don't necessarily have the ability to look at somebody and say like oh i can tell this person's been doing their banishing rituals daily or whatever yeah, uh, I mean, we do have you know, well, like we you know, we we are magicians, right? We, we have divination. We, we have, have divination. You know, <laughs> yeah, but, we have. But yeah, yeah, and also you know, like things like in the tarot community or in any of those communities, there's always these new paradigms arising and people telling you like nobody can tell you how to interpret the tarot cards. You know, figure it out for yourself or whatever. Like, yeah. sudden sometimes that happens. Like, I don't know that I've ever met a tarot reader where we've agreed on every card, or right. or any yeah. cards sometimes. Yeah. Um, but that's but that's that's good actually like that's yeah. that's that's actually good because we're then you know sort of you know it, any any practice is going to be very particular to the practitioner mm-hmm. um, but there are these you know places of overlap and you always start with you know something that uh, something that existed that you can then interact with. like you know we have a lot of different uh, people who have spent a lot of time with tarot yeah. um, and written about it and talked about it. And so we have all of these different viewpoints and perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot of people who are talking about tarot and, you know, doing client readings and things like that, who, you know, they picked m- up a book. Yeah. Who maybe need, yeah. yeah. Who maybe need a little bit more time in the, uh, uh, you know, a little bit more time in the cooker before. Yeah. And it's hard to say how much time, you know, we don't have necessarily, I mean, I know that there are like tarot certification courses, for instance, but when it comes to like, uh, yeah, but what does that even mean? Like that you you read a book and you can, you know, like, you know, the associations of like, you know, whatever, like that's how we let people can become lawyers. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
but uh, yeah, but like when it comes to ceremonial magic, for instance, or ritual magic, like you, you know, so much of the practice takes place behind closed doors, and so much of the experience itself tends to be like very subjective, and people have people obviously have different um, experiences. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, working with spirits is, I think, a really good example of that because you have like whole groups of people who are obsessed with like summoning spirits to like visual appearance or things and right, claiming right. to have success yeah. in these areas and then and then other magicians I, I feel like maybe the majority that I've heard talk about it are sort of like never had physical appearance you know I've, mm-hmm. I work with spirits and I communicate with them and blah 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 but I've never had physical appearance right. of spirit right. so uh, is one of those groups better making it or, up or yeah. better <laughs> or, or, yeah. or more experienced yeah. or further along or, how does yeah. it yeah or like what I mean I guess the important thing is both of them have experience yeah but how do we know who's actually being successful yeah or what does success even mean yeah in that what does success even mean in that context yeah um, I think that you know um, the the physical manifestation thing I think is interesting because there was a point in time certainly uh, you know around the time of like Madame Blavatsky and like Mm -hmm. a lot of the spiritist movement and stuff like that where there was a very large emphasis on physical manifestation could Could you actually get physical manifestation could you produce ectoplasm Right. Yes. <laughs> or mean, don't do it on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> or is somebody you know dropping letters in through the slots? You know, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, from the ceiling above. Um, and um, it's it 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 is interesting because I've personally experienced manifestation on that you know level where I would mm-hmm. say like you know this is I, I wrote about this is a whole other topic actually we could talk about at some point which is uh, shadow people who we were talking about cryptids and there's a whole other thing the about fifth, I grew, yeah, the I, fifth I, color on your chart yeah no it's actually not I didn't I wasn't sure if you wanted to go down that particular rabbit hole but I grew up in northern Nevada and um, I had experiences a bunch of experiences uh, growing up um, uh, with direct interaction with very strange things uh-huh. um, including shadow people shadow people is one of these things that like just look up the Wikipedia article there, there's just so much out there uh, uh, about it. Many, many people have had a very similar and experience. And plus, once you read the Wikipedia article, you are an expert. Yes, and then you can write a book about yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but so, you know, having having had experiences like that, and then also having had much more subtle experiences where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like you, you've, you know, there's this slight shift or you feel that something is a little bit different, like you're in the mm-hmm. presence of something, um, or, you know, you get, you know, chills and shivers, or you get the little hair standing up and things like that. Uh, and then, you know, and then you have a dream, you know, later on. And so there's this big, broad spectrum, you know, between those between those things. Um, but I think it's the it's the you know, I don't having had those experiences, I don't feel like it's my place to tell somebody else or to write a book saying, you know, this is the spectrum of, you know, like from right. non-manifest to full manifestation. And, you know, when dealing with non-corporeal entities, this is what this means, you know, like maybe I will at some point later in my life, but I certainly don't feel like that now. And I feel like some, there are some within our community who, who are, uh, you know, who maybe speak with a bit more authority than mm-hmm. I, I feel comfortable ascribing to them. That sounds yeah. judgmental. I, oh, no, no, that is judgmental. Uh, but it's okay to be... We're all judgmental all the time anyhow. It's part of being human, right? You need to make judgments. Yeah. And I feel like as captain, uh, we're all relying on your judgments right now. <laughs> so if you want to judge other people, go for it. At least we're not sinking. 
fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it just does come down to authority. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we're kind of we've we've recorded enough. We've spent enough time sitting in the boat recording. I. <laughs> do you have any questions for our guest, Matt? I do not. No questions. No. All right. Cool. It's very entertaining. It's great. Well, thanks for being yeah. our uh, live audience. studio audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Trey, why don't you? Sorry, Captain. <laughs> why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? <laughs> uh, Captain Trey Henry. No, uh, <laughs> no uh, so my uh, my magical focused uh, blog is hallofdoors.com. Uh, and that's there's links there for most of the projects that I work on and, and various other goings on, um, and that's probably like the easiest the easiest place to find me. Um, I also have a Discord. There's also Urania is at Urania dot app, uh, which is spelled U R A N I A um, dot app, and then after the muse. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Gioratio is uh, G E O R A T I O dot com. Uh, and you can find that there. But again, there's also links um, from all doors uh, to get to those places as well. Cool. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you yeah. for being on again. And thank you for allowing us to come aboard uh, your mighty fine ship. Yeah. Well, thank you for <laughs> inviting me again. It's a great honor. Thank you for listening to the Arnamancy podcast. You can find me online at arnamancy.com, where you can schedule a tarot reading or peruse the Arnamancy blog. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. If you like this podcast, support it for just $1 a month through Patreon at patreon.com slash arnamancy.